You're listening to the SHL Smart Teams Podcast, a show where we invite experts on people science to talk about how to build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to SHL's Talent Talk series. My name's Andy Geek, and I'm a managing consultant at SHL. Now, diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging are terms that we see all around us whether that's an organisation talking about wanting to be more inclusive, the importance of having a diverse workforce, or creating a culture where people feel they really belong. Well, my guest today is very well versed in all of these, and I'm delighted to welcome David Blackburn, who is Chief People Officer at the FSCS. Now, just before I say hello to David, just want to let you know that he recently won the Meng Com Award for HR Leader of the Year, an outstanding contribution to equality, diversity and inclusion. So this is an individual who has a lot to say and is very well versed and, and very experienced in this area. So David, good afternoon and welcome to the session. Good afternoon, Andrew. Thank you very much for the uh, lovely introduction. <laughs> and D David, I, I think it would be useful for, for those who perhaps haven't had the opportunity to, to listen to you to, if you could tell us a bit about your role at, at the FSCS. Uh, yes, certainly, Andrew. So uh, my role is that of the Chief People Officer, and I have been with the Financial Services Compensation Scheme since 2013. Um, a little bit about the organisation and my role. So the FSS was uh, created in uh, 2001, and we protect all regulated financial products in the UK. In fact, we're unique internationally for the scope of the protection that we provide. And since our launch, we've paid out billions in compensation to millions of customers. You probably uh, know us best from the fact that when you, put, you go to put your thumbprint on your banking app, you see the little FSES protected symbol. And for those of us uh, uh, who can uh, remember still going into banks and building societies, uh, normally when you push the door open, there's the FSES badge on the door as you uh, go in. Um, in my role, I look after the entire employee life cycle. So from uh, recruitment, onboarding, uh, talent management, uh, diversity, inclusion, and belonging, uh, traditional HR, health and safety facilities, all the way through to people uh, leaving us. So the, your end-to-end -end employee experience is what I'm responsible for at the scheme. Yeah, and David, it's interesting that you, you mentioned there that part of that is is belonging. And, and I know that the, the FSCS has been identified as certainly one of the top organisations when it comes to diversity, inclusion and belonging. I'd be interested to know how that recognition ha has come about and, 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 and that achievement as well. So I'm always struck by um, when, you're in, when I'm asked that question that, um, or sometimes people say, you know, how did you, how did you get to the point where you are now as an organization? Is that um, it's, it's both simple and challenging at the same time, if that's not too, contradictory. So I think the, the first thing, and I'll, it's, I'll, I say a lot when I, I talk about our approach to uh, all people matters, um, I think you need to do three things. I think you need to engage, I think you need to listen, and I think you need to act. And what 
do I mean by uh, the, those things? So firstly, I think you need to engage with your people. And I think you need to have an understanding of what is their lived experience in your organization and what is going on uh, for them. I think you need to listen to their feedback and then I think you need to shape your actions based on that. So, you know, for us, you know, the first thing was that we recognized that whilst we had a very diverse population within the FSCS, both in terms of gender, age, ethnicity, uh, sexual orientation, you know, so we, uh, and new, indeed neurodiversity, so lots of different perspectives in the organization. Was that reflected at every level in the organization? No. Was that a barrier to the progression of our talent? Yes, it was. So actually, and we didn't, you know, we know, we know that from talking, as I say, from engaging and listening to our people. It's massively important for, you can have huge amounts of diversity, but if you want people to feel uh, included, and then beyond that, if you want people to really feel that they belong in your organization, they've got to see themselves reflected in the organization. So if you haven't got a, if there are no black senior leaders, if there are no women on your board, if you don't, you know, they're not seeing themselves reflected. And our, our definition of inclusion is, you know, we say an inclusive environment is where everyone can succeed in achieving their personal and uh, professional goals. So having recognized that, having done that, we very explicitly said, we want to increase representation of every underrepresented group in the organization. We want there to be, we want to increase the population of uh, LGBT plus colleagues. But beyond that, we want to increase that representation in our leadership population by very explicitly saying we want to get to a point where we have got 50-50 gender split across the leadership population, that we've got 20% of our leaders come from Black, Asian, minority, ethnic backgrounds. And I think that, you know, you said, you know, how do you, how do, you do it? You know, until you actually sort of stand up and say this is the objective this is the thing that we want to do you you don't make any progress i think that the too often one of my learnings is that uh organizations uh are quite passive in their commitment and it's not to, it's not to take away from their genuine intent i think it's quite easy to say we are committed to creating an inclusive environment and we want to build an inclusive environment. But both, if you think about the language, um, creating and building are active words. And so you have to do, you have to take action and you have to say, we're going to measure this stuff. We're going to set ourselves targets. We're going to publish uh, the data. And so, you know, the second bit of your question, how is the, you know, we have, we are the, I'm delighted to say, we are recognised as the UK's 26th most uh, inclusive employer in the inclusive companies top 50 uh, list. And 
and that you know we first placed that's our second year of placing we went up 16 places in the last year uh from 40 to 16 that achievement has come about purely because of the actions that we've taken so we're able to evidence we made a commitment to increase diversity in this way to build a more inclusive environment and and we've done it and you know we set ourselves targets and we've exceeded those targets so i think that's where the achievement uh comes from but most importantly uh i think it is a strategy that is driven by our people you know they are the ones who we listen to in order to shape the actions that we take yeah and, and that's interesting isn't it david because you know when you look at the research out there particularly when you're looking at younger people, when they're, they're thinking about careers, thinking about organisations, they, they look for organisations with a sense of purpose. And as you, as you said there, you know, do I, do I feel that I would be someone that fitted in here? Do I feel that that organisation takes these things um, seriously? And it's interesting what you're saying there about the, the, the kind of the targets and, and those actions, because um, I was talking to a, a senior leader uh, in a very, very well-known organisation that's global. And, and, and he was saying to me that when it comes to diversity and inclusion and, you know, making people, you know, that sense of belonging, the senior leaders are given some pretty kind of, you know, testing targets to, to you know, to help them to, you know, to, to give some metrics, to give some actions that they need to, that they will be kind of, uh, you, know, you know, we will look at that, we will review that. Um, and that is taken seriously. Um, so it was interesting what, what you were saying there. I think the other thing that came into my head was that, that line that uh, Seleni Henry said, where he said, talent is everywhere, but opportunity isn't. Um, and, and really kind of finding that link up. And, and I guess, David, one of the things that perhaps some organisations struggle with is that they hear various terms. So they hear about diversity, they hear about equity, inclusion and belonging. And maybe they get confused about what these things mean. And I, I just wanted to get from, from you, what do those terms mean to you? And, and what do they mean to the FSCS? I think that you're absolutely, I mean, it causes me a wry, I think you're absolutely right about uh, the, the language in this space sometimes. Uh, or, you know, leaders might say, my God, I'm not quite sure where to start. And what's the... Uh, you know what do these the various things mean, and what do they? And you're right to ask also what do they mean in terms of the um, organisation. And before I answer that, I did just want to pick. I, I think you make a really good point about um, targets because interestingly, uh, that has been, and you will know, Andrew, that you know that's been a really hot topic in organisations. For a really, really long time. Do you, do they make a difference? Don't they make a difference? Should you have them? Shouldn't you have them? And um, I was very lucky that uh, I had a, one of the non-executive directors on our board. Uh, it's not on our board uh, now, but you know he worked for a major uh, high street bank. Uh, his name I won't share the name, but he was saying actually what w they worked out that until they, if they wanted to create a new a gender pipeline to improve female representation at senior leader levels in their organization. They had they set themselves a target of saying for every single job we want a 50-50 split on the shortlist. On the shortlist, and I was like, God, that's really hard. 
you know, that's a, a, to your point. So I just wanted to say, I passionately believe that they make a difference. I think until you set yourself some stretching goals, you, you're not going to achieve, uh, you're not going to make progress. So um, how I think that relates to the, the terms is that I think um, diversity is the diversity of your population. And I think that whether that be any of the protected characteristics, age, race, uh, gender, sexual orientation, um, age, disability, uh, et cetera. And I think that the relationship between the terms is that too often organisations uh, focus very much on the, uh, the on diversity. So what they say is they say, look, it's really great. We've got a, a, a black Asian minority ethnic population of you know, 38%. Brilliant. Really, you know, job done. And we've got 6% uh, colleagues who identify themselves as disabled. We've got 10%. And, uh, and, but that's just your starting point. Because if you, so diversity for me is saying that there is a diversity of lived experience, of background, of thought, um, of approach in an organisation. And that creates an incredibly rich mix. There's huge amounts of data that say why that is important. But it's not enough. And you want all of those people to have the, an equitable, to your point about equity, the same experience. You want everyone to be afforded the same opportunity and to be treated in the same way. Um, a, a, a old friend of mine is a, a diversity and inclusion, uh, something of an expert, he used to ask a question when he was doing consultancy in organisations. He used to say, what type of organisation are you? Are you an equal opportunities organisation? <laughs> or are you a diversity and, a diversity and inclusive organisation? Because he'd say, There's a, that's a journey that we've been on in our culture so we used to say well it's about creating equal opportunity actually what we now know is that so that those two elements is that there are to your point Lenny Henry's great quote there are isn't the same level of opportunity so creating diversity and treating everyone the same is a basic that should be our given that should be our starting point I think inclusion is around are you creating the right environment which links to that opportunity point that says, irrespective of their diversity, irrespective, you might be treating them all in exactly the same way, that the reality is that the barriers that they might face as a result of uh, their diverse characteristics, that you have removed those to ensure that everyone can succeed in achieving their personal professional goals. So if a Black colleague joins the organisation and says, I want to be a member of the board of the FSES, that they think that that's completely achievable, that they can see, and the reason they think it's completely achievable is because they can see that there is a role model and they can see themselves represented at every layer in the organisation. And I think belonging, um, I think when we last uh, spoke about this, I think I mentioned um, Asif Sadiq, uh, Adidas, who I've, who I'm a massive, massive fan of, uh, who is the uh, global head of diversity and inclusion at Adidas, and he is the person who introduced me to be honest. I listened to talk um, that he gave about belonging, and he was saying, so if on this journey we've moved from quality of opportunity to creating a diverse environment to then 
having diverse colleagues working in an environment in which they feel included because they see themselves represented, wouldn't it be a, what the evolution is? Wouldn't it be amazing if absolutely everyone in your organisation truly felt if they belonged? And so for me, belonging is the is the is the evolution of that. It's the thing that says not only do I see myself represented, it is that I feel like I belong because I feel that the organisation understands me, uh, understands my individual needs, understands the the nuance of my lived experience, and cares about it. And, you know, that's that that is what it is for me. I think, you know, if you feel if you that sense that we get belonging is you, that you feel cared for. And um, yeah, that's what I think it means. Well, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, David, because one, one of the things I, I find sometimes when I talk to organisations is that there's sometimes a disconnect between. So when they do things like engagement surveys, you know, you may, you may find that at the top of the organisation, there's a sense of, oh, we're inclusive and we're diverse. But as you, as you go down the layers, you find, you find some differences coming in. It's kind of like, well, hang on a minute, aren't we like that? And, um, oh, I thought, I thought we were a bit more like that. But I think what was interesting, what you were saying there in terms of that belonging piece is, do, does the organisation care? So if I'm, if I'm contributing as part of a team or something, do I feel that that contribution, however, whatever my background is, whatever level I am, will that be seen as being important? And is that something that makes me feel, do you know what, this organization's behind me uh, and, and they're looking for that contribution from me. And I, I, ju I just wondered in terms of, you know, organizations perhaps thinking, well, do you know what, we'll do some diversity training or we'll do other things and, and, that's, and that's done. But it isn't necessarily the case, is it, Toby? No, and actually, it, it's really interesting. What it makes me think of is that I have never, you're so right, I have never walked into an organisation in my 20-plus year um, career when you meet with the senior leadership for the first time or, you know, in the first couple of months and you say, you know, tell me about diversity and inclusion in this organisation. And they all say with a massive amount of confidence, uh, no, it's absolutely fine. It's all absolutely, we've got an incredibly inclusive culture and we're hugely diverse. And, um, uh, you know, and that is, you know, and they, I'm always struck by the confidence with which they say it. Now, then when you scratch beneath the surface and you say, based on what exactly, based on what data or what, uh, what have you done that gives you that level of confidence in your um, understanding, you know, and I don't mind saying that when I joined the, um, a, a really practical example, when I joined the FSCS in uh, 2013, uh, before I'd actually officially started, I'd been invited to go to a leadership offsite. And again, I'd already had these conversations as part of the recruitment process. So I spoke to, you know, members, a couple of members of the board, and I spoke to the chief executive, you know, no, this is a hugely diverse and inclusive organisation, David. And, uh, you know, you go to a leadership offsite and, uh, you know, at a hotel and they're probably about 60 people in the room sitting at, you know, round tables in groups. And I arrived uh, after lunch and I remember sitting down and looking around the room and counting the people and thinking, OK, so there are three people of colour 
and uh, I think probably four or five women out of this group of 60. And this was an organisation that was confidently telling me how diverse and inclusive it was. So um, I do think that there is sometimes a disconnect, but you're right to highlight the disconnect. And that's why I feel so passionately about um, engaging with your employee population. It's one of the big um, personal learnings for me last year was um, the whole Black Lives Matters uh, discussion that, that happened. And I think we created a space for that to happen in our organization, led, you know, facilitated by people in my team, but not led by us, actually led by our black uh, colleagues. And it was eye opening. And, and what do I mean by the fact that it was eye opening is that I think it's very easy as a senior leader, even as a, a, an experienced HR professional, uh, to think, no, I know all of this. I have, I've got all of the answers. I know what, I know what's going on because I read and I, you know, I go to seminars. Or to your point, Andrew, I've been on training, so I understand about intersectionality and and all of this stuff, and I know what the terms are. But until you hear your black colleagues, you know, the thing that really stuck in my mind was that um, something like, you know, seven out of ten of the of my black male colleagues said that they'd experienced being stopped by the police. And uh, uh, that is, that's my, so not my lived experience. And it's so, and you don't, that doesn't, that's, you know, that doesn't come up in a, you know, in a training course. And I just think that it, re for me, that was a real moment of going, never make assumptions about the journey that somebody is is living or is having you know i was thought well we're a financial institution and we these got colleagues who work in the city and you know so i just think um you know leaders if you ever you know don't ever be complacent about what you think is happening in your organization and if you want to know you should ask you need to ask people and i think you need to ask frontline staff about you know their lived experience, which might be nothing to do with your their lived experience in your organisation, but that will shape, you know, um, how they are, how they feel about their opportunities, how they feel about their career development, how that what they need in terms of the support that you might want to give them in order to create the opportunity for them themselves. Yeah, and I think David, what you've just said there is so true. I. I... I undertook, uh, it was part of the, the diversity training that we did here at this organization. And one of the things that was an eye-opener for me was we did a privilege questionnaire. So in terms of, you know, have you had a, you know, a US, you know, have you had sort of support in terms of, you know, growing up the school you went to background and so forth. And, and to my amazement, I came out very high on the, the privilege score. But what, what concerned me were the number of colleagues that were, if you like, nearer the other, the other end of the scale. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, wow, you know, people have really had some challenges. Um, and, 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 and as you were saying there, having that opportunity to, to get a sense of that, and I guess almost in the world we think about, you know, is everything normally distributed, whatever. And I kind of thought, do you know what, that, you know, this is, this is a bit of an eye-opener, this one. Um, so I think it's, as you say, it's so powerful getting that insight from people's kind of lived experience. 
Um, sorry, David. Yeah. No, Andrew, I just, I just, and also I think, because I think you're absolutely right to talk about privilege. And I know, again, I think that this has become a, um, it's some, you know, the, the, you know, the pushback against it, you know, people saying, oh, dear God, you know, uh, you know, why are we talking about privilege and, and white privilege and, um, you know, and so, but we are right to talk, you know, it is right to surface those things. And you're absolutely right. I think that's massively important. I've often, um, I, I, a reflection, you know, a couple of years ago when I was I was attending a, um, a session that was talking about intersectionality. So the difference between, you know, a, you know, I'm a middle-class, white, middle-aged, gay man, you know, my experience is clearly going to be very different to um, a black female member of the LGBT plus community. But it, it was, but it was, uh, your point, it was eye-opening to me. I was, and I then reflected, my reflection was that, you know, for a really long time, I used to think, well, I've had no, <laughs> I don't understand, people who say that their sexual orientation has been a barrier to their, their success, I, I don't understand, I was like, well, it hasn't been for me. And so, you know what so a lack of under to be honest a lack of understanding and in, if i'm being really honest a, a bit of a lack of empathy with that that now of course when i went that i was like going oh it's because i'm middle class and a white man <laughs> that, that's why so actually i do think the you know that thing about just seeking to understand the difference in our lived experience is massive i think that really opens up um i just think that opens up i think it opens up everybody's thinking when you start to just pause and listen and say i can't possibly know but actually what i can do is i can try to put myself in your shoes to have a better understanding of why you know of, of the impact that that's had on you yeah no no absolutely and, and David, one of the things that I'm always fascinated by is, you know, because obviously you mentioned FSCS, very, very strong in terms of that, that whole area of diversity, inclusion, belonging. How would you start to tell whether an organisation is genuinely, has a genuine kind of ethos of belonging? What, what would we see? I think, so I think firstly, you how it manifests itself is that I think uh, you, you, it does help generate high levels of uh, employee engagement. Mm -hmm. I think it does build trust. So one of the things that I, one of the absolute things that I would describe about our culture at the FSCS is that it is a very high trust culture. Yeah. Um, and that there is a very strong sense of uh, both personal and collective accountability. So I also think that you see a strong connection. Um, you, was, you said earlier, Andrew, about purpose. I think yeah. that in an organisation where people feel that they belong, there's a very strong connection to the social purpose. And, and not... Um, not just a pride. I mean, pride is is incredibly powerful, and we know that you know at the FSCS, you know, ninety five percent of our employees believe the organisation makes a valuable contribution 
the world in which we live and 92% of people say uh, I am proud to work for this organization and, and describe it as a great place uh, to work um, but also be uh, excited I think about where the organization is going because I think in belonging we ask um, a question in our engagement surveys where we ask people to say do you understand so it's great that you think that we're an amazing organization and, and it is great because I, I you know I don't take for granted those um, those incredible engagement scores um, but it is do you personally understand how you make a contribution and we specifically ask that that, that question so yes you're connected to what it is the scheme is trying to do we've got a very simple employee value proposition which is this is an organization that makes a difference and in which you can make a difference and so we asked that question we said do you really feel that you individually are making a difference 90 percent of our people say yes yes absolutely i i totally understand how every day the thing that i do in my role is helping the organization to put customers back on track and to deliver its strategic objectives and interestingly the other thing that i would say which is a new thing so we're just about to do our annual um, engagement survey and um, in looking at the questions uh, we used to say the, the questions around diversity and inclusion would say things like you know I fully understand the organization's approach I'm fully supportive and actually this year we're changing the questions to be about belonging do you feel like you belong here because I think that is the question that we should be um, asking because um, I was always in the, in, the, in the cultural journey that I think we've been on as an organization, um, we were quite reticent emotionally. <laughs> how I would describe the, uh, the uh, FOCS. So people might say, you know, they're proud of working for the organization. They wouldn't necessarily be excited, but they certainly wouldn't say they loved it. You know, I love being here. I think. And I think that's, for me, I think that's a bit like the difference between inclusion and belonging. You know, do I feel like I'm included? Do I feel like I'm included? Yeah. Do I feel like I really belong? That's a that's a very emotive question, and I think that's why it's a good question. So this year we're like, actually, we just changed the question. We should ask. We should ask. We think that we're creating that there is a sense of it. And I think, ironically, in the last twelve months, in a year when we have been all working remotely we have all been more distant we've all been doing everything through teams and through zoom i think the organization is closer i think we've talked about this as a senior initiative i think we're closer actually as a result of the year that we've been through because of the types of conversation that we've been having so i think it's a great i think and i've said this to you before i think one of the the things that we want to bottle and keep from the last 12 months i think we've all been having better more honest more open conversations about whole about how we feel about how we are and about how we've been coping and i think that's a good thing yeah and i, and I think as you said said there david the that piece around belonging is coming up more and more 
And, uh, and as you say, if you ask that question in terms of an engagement survey or just as a question to someone, it, you're going to get quite a powerful, as you say, emotive answer. And being engaged is not necessarily the same as, being, as, as, as that belonging piece. Um, and it's always interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, if you look at the, the research and, and the insight, we find that organisations that, that do kind of focus on, you know, maximising that belonging, maximising that inclusion, it actually pays dividends, not just in terms of how people feel, engagement, trust that you talked about, but also at the bottom line. Um, and it, 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 it does have an impact. And, and maybe sometimes there's this, this horrible tension that comes in that says, well, these things are important, but actually we, we need to meet the shareholders in terms of what they want. But interestingly, what you're now finding is that you go to organisations and they're saying, do you know what, we need to be more inclusive because organisations coming to us are looking for those things from us as well as we can do this business for you. Um, so I think it's having a knock-on effect. You are absolutely right, and I think, and I think that again, where what business has, you know, it has recognised. I, I would hope all businesses now recognise that it's not your approach to diversity and inclusion and belonging is not a separate strategy that sits, you know, on a shelf somewhere. It should be absolutely intertwined with your strategic outcomes as an organisation. Because as you rightly say, Andrew, every single piece of research highlights that inclusive organisations generate better performance. If people people work better when they can be themselves is a, is a pretty simple concept, but it's it's true. And I think you know, in the last year. Um, against the backdrop of increasing claims volumes and complexity, we've delivered our best ever organisational performance and our customer satisfaction is over 85%. It's never been that high. Now, I know that the only way in which we're able to deliver that performance in a remote environment is because our colleagues feel that they are trusted and accountable and that they belong and that we're enabling them to make a difference. Yeah, and, and, and you know, abs absolutely, David. Now, it, sort of coming near the end of our, our conversation now, but I was just thinking, an organisation comes up to you, David, and says, look, you know, we want to go on this journey. We're not quite sure where to start or what, what, we, what we should be looking for in terms of outcomes. If you had to advise in terms of top tips, um, you know, with an organisation that seriously want to be seen as being something an organization that promotes diversity inclusion and equity and belonging rather than perhaps doing it just to pay lip service what things would you be saying to them so um i've sort of given you a sneak preview already yeah, <laughs> i've got a, i've got a very simple um mantra but i'll say a little bit more about it um you know i do always say to people uh, engage listen and I think when you um, engage, I don't think that's just engaging with your workforce. I think you need to engage with your data. So what picture does the data tell you? And also how good is your data? So actually, if you, you know, that's massively important. You know, if you go into run a report from your systems and you've got low reporting levels or you know people not you know low levels of declaration then i think you need to do something um about that so we've got a very high 
uh, response rate at the FSS. So I know that our diversity and inclusion data is 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 really accurate. So I think uh, I also think you need to engage with your senior leadership and the board because I think if they don't um, understand the business case as to why um, these things are important, then I think you need to put that case. I think. Secondly, um, in listening, is having done that, is I think you need to then listen to um, what all of that, the data, your people, your, you know, you make a really good point about um, your external stakeholders. I think, you know, one of the things that um, has, for us as an organisation is that, you know, it's massively important part of our employer brand. Why would somebody want to come and work for this organisation? I know that being able to say we're amongst the most inclusive in the UK is a huge benefit for us in terms of attracting talent. So listen to what all of that, you know, that data, that input is is telling you, and then take some action. And I think, and it's not, and I am a great believer in, you know, I think sometimes what puts organisations off is they go, I don't, exactly as you phrase the question, I have no idea where to start. So don't don't think, oh my God, I've got to change absolutely everything all in one go. You know, identify, having listened to something, identify a few key actions. Maybe decide to, uh, you know, increase the representation of your most underrepresented group. Maybe set yourself a specific target around gender diversity. There are lots of good standards existing standards so the business in the community race at work charter uh, the women in finance charter i could go on there are lots of standards that give give organizations some really helpful frameworks um, the inclusive companies um, of which we are where we're listed inclusivecompanies.co.uk some amazing resources uh, there so identify some actions that you that will have the most impact and then you know, work your way through your your know your list of actions. Maybe you go actually um, there isn't a strong enough business case right now. Maybe that's where you want to start. Or there is a lack of understanding in your own organisation. So it might be a learning intervention. But I think that don't think that you have to do it all in one go. You know, this is a, this is a a marathon, not a sprint. This should be part of our ongoing evolution of organiz as organisations. And I think you said earlier, Andrew. You know, sometimes senior leaders go, "Ah, diversity and inclusion. I've run some, I've run a survey. I've run some training. You know, I've had a few conversations. Tick. It's done. There's never it's there's never a tick, because it's never it's an ongoing." It's an ongoing conversation and commitment, and it's always changing and evolving. And so, um, you know, equally, I want organisations not to beat themselves up and go, oh, God, because I think this is what sometimes not knowing where to start creates paralysis. So start somewhere, and it doesn't matter how small you start, but start somewhere. Engage, listen, act. I think engage, all... listen, act. <laughs> it's going to be the title of my book, Andrew. So um, I think <laughs> when I get around to writing it. No, no, no. But we look forward to reading it. Look, <laughs> David, we, we, it's really been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon. It's always a pleasure talking to you, uh, and um, thank you very much indeed for those for those insights. And um, to, to those of you listening. Um, you, 
by all means do come on to our, our site, SHL site, for you know thinking about other blogs that, that we have in this space. It's something that obviously is close to our heart. Um, but as I said, it was been great to talk to you, David. I really appreciate your time and your insight. And um, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Andrew. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the SHL Smart Teams podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, their people, please visit shl.com.